Hello, listeners. Thank you for tuning in to the Voice of the River podcast. I'm your host, Nicholas Dundorf. Today, I'm sitting down with Oyster River alumni and activist Griffin Sinclair Wingate to talk about student activism and organizing and how you can get involved and make a change. So when did you first become aware of a lot of the issues in society today? Uh, I think I first really like had my moment of crisis in high school. Um, I was in philosophy class that Pam Rayford was teaching, um, as well as environmental science with Mr. Bromley, and um, in the 60s with Mraz. And all the content of those classes really, like, overlapped and intersected in ways that just made me feel something I'd never felt before. In my environmental science class, you're talking about, like, overpopulation and climate change. Mm-hmm. And then in my uh, philosophy class, we were talking about um, if humans were a parasite in the world, which was a quote from the, the Matrix, and we've been talking about that. Yeah, we like, recently had that question broached us in my class. Yeah, that was, like, I remember the day we talked about that question and it was like one of the most intense classrooms experiences, really? intense classroom experiences I've ever had. Like people were sad. People were like really visibly sad and like hopeless. Mm-hmm. And there was just like such a heavy weight in the room. Like it was a very intense space to be in. And I think part of that was because we were all able to, or a lot of us in the class were able to really connect it with, you know, the science that we were learning about in Mr. Bromley's class. Right. And, yeah, and then that all can, you know, it, it left me with this feeling of, like, wow, like, humans are fundamentally flawed. Like, evolution has produced these people that are just, like, you know, like, they, they are just entirely selfless. And, like, I, I, you know, I just didn't think we were going to be able to overcome that. And part of what influenced that, like, thought was because in the 60s class I was taking, you know, I'm looking at these incredible social movements of the 1960s and 70s and, you know, seeing the anti-war movement and the civil rights movement and being like, wow, like, there were, you know, people in the streets all the time and, like, you know, this, this, you know, I had always kind of had, like, a fixation on that time period when I was growing up. Right. You know, I always felt like, you know, I should have been, like, part of that generation. Mm-hmm. Um, and to see all that, and then be like, well, here we are today. Arguably, in some areas, worse off than we were before. Um, at the very least, looking at everything and saying, the people who were in the streets back then are the people who are in power now. It seems to be a massive failure. Mm-hmm. And it made me think that social movements really couldn't change things. Um, and so, yeah, I had this moment of crisis in high school. And that was like, you know part of the, the, the first time, not the first time I noticed all the, the issues that were going, I mean, that kind of trickled in through high school, but it was definitely, like, the climax of that, you know. I'd also been, like, binging Netflix documentaries, like, in the weeks leading up to this, so that had, a, that had, a, had an influence on it as well, but... Yeah, I think that's a, um, that's a situation that a lot of high schoolers can relate to when they, or or even going into college, when people start to have greater awareness of a lot of the bad stuff that occurs that we might not have been exposed to earlier, and then it, it really feels like it's this big, bad world. Yeah, and it is. Like, the world is so messed up, and I think in those moments of crisis where, like, you, like, you, you, 
you get you start to understand all the the bad stuff that's going on in the world. Um, there's this choice you have, and you can either choose to be numb to it, to be overwhelmed by it, and shut it off, or to like dive in and think about okay, like what am I going to do about it? And I think part of part of you know, so I, I guess you know I left off in my story in this like moment of hopelessness. Um, and you know, I don't really know what allowed me to overcome that or what the conversations or the moments were that led me to the, these thoughts. But part of the thought process that helped me overcome that like overwhelming despair was that, you know, I'm like a, a white dude who's living in like a middle-class family. Like for starters, like I have some privilege, right? And then on top of that, I have this insane privilege of like being a citizen of the United States, like arguably one of the most powerful countries in the world um, that also still has some semblance of a democracy left to it. And I can have influence over decisions being made by my government that are going to affect people all around the world who don't have the agency to influence those decisions. Hmm. So what did you do with that? Like ha- having that first, that hopeless realization, but then also recognizing the privilege and power you have. Yeah. I, um, you know, I started to, to do community organizing. Uh, I, you know, I got involved in this group called New Hampshire Peace Action um, and organized summits around the, the state for high schoolers and young people to go to um, where they could talk about the culture of apathy that existed in their schools. Mm-hmm. And it was like through doing that that I started to like become hopeful. And, you know, I was able to take part in like these little marches that happened in Concord and these little protests that happened on, you know, Black Friday. And it was like, oh, maybe these like social movements that I fantasized about in like from the 60s that I like, you know, not fantasized, but like romanticized as a child, maybe those like aren't gone and maybe they are effective. And even if they aren't effective, it's like the best I got. It's like, I don't know for a fact that that community organizing or social movements are going to change anything, but like, I think they are. And it's the best thing that it's the best option I see to like, Kind of going back to that question, like, are you going to try to fix it? Are you going to try to create some change? Or are you going to be numb to it? Mm-hmm. Like, I decided not to be numb to it. And then the question is, what avenue do you want to take to create that change? Um, and I chose to do organizing, to organize people to, you know, fight for what they believe in. And, you know, there's a lot of other different roads. I, I had a conversation with um, someone who had such a similar story to mine and came to the same conclusion. I was like, I have to, act, I have to try to make this better and... Not sure how to do it, but I think like joining the military is like the best option for me. And I had a lot. I had a. Tr- it really made me see from a different perspective. It was like, wow, I have a tremendous amount of respect and, and empathy and like resonance with this person because they're just trying to figure it out too. You know, that's, we're all just trying to figure it out. The fact that you are trying to make the world a better place is extremely honorable. Hmm. So in your first work with New Hampshire Peace Action, you mentioned having these conversations about apathy in students. Where did you see that 
that apathy the most, and how did you work to overcome it in your peers and your friends? Mm. I think part of it was in my friends who kind of teased me for, like, going away to, like, peace camp, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, when I went to these things. Um, And, you know, it was also in, like, just... You know, back back then, I guess it was like, you know, I, I would hear about something in the news and it would be like, oh my God, I can't believe that, you know, 300 people died in, you know, Iraq today. Mm-hmm. You know, that's just, a, that's not, that didn't happen. <laughs> or that, that's not a specific example. But something like that, it'd be like, oh my God, I can't believe this event happened. And my friends would be like, yeah, like, I don't, like they just, they didn't get it. There wasn't anything inside them when I told them that, that like, was shocking mm-hmm. to them, and I found that like astounding. Like I didn't. It's like, how are you not like, oh my god, why? You know. And so, I guess like that's part of where I saw it, and I think it's also just like so deep into the culture. I don't even know like where it, where it's seen, but and I'd imagine like a lot of the listeners would resonate with this. That like, if you like try to like stand up for something you believe in, like there's a chance that you're gonna be ridiculed for that. Because caring, like, isn't cool. Like, like, if you, I don't know, I think part of it is maybe, like, if you care, you have, like, emotions and you're not, like, strong. Or, I don't know, that's maybe overanalyzing it, it's maybe not what it is, but, like, I guess that's what I have to say about where I see apathy. That's a really hard question. Yeah, I, mean, I definitely understand that. I've, in my, in my own, like, work, my friends have been, like, pretty accepting and, like, supporting, but there's always this element of, like, or for example, like I'll be referred to as like, oh Nick, he's like such a hippie. Yeah. And, and while it's yeah, it's, while they mean it as a term of endearment, it's almost like a put down. It's like a like you. It's something that just hippies do. It's not something that like everyone should do. It's like a different. It's like it differentiates you from your friends. It's like oh yeah, you care about things. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. Like that's your thing. You mm-hmm. know, where it's like everyone should care about. Things. <laughs> um, yeah. And then what I did to address that apathy, I'll be honest, like, I didn't do a whole lot until, like, at least the end of my senior year. Mm-hmm. I was, like, scared. Like, I didn't want to be ridiculed for it. And the way I saw it was, like, I have this community I can retreat to and be open with and talk about these problems with. Um, and I didn't really see or understand the value of, like, needing to grow that community just yet. Um, but then I think towards my senior year, it was just like, you know, I, part of it was like, oh, I felt kind of like top dog now, you know, (laughs) like I could, like, I don't care what these like underclassmen think of like me and like, if they don't care about social justice issues, like that's their problem, not mine, (laughs) you know? Um, and I, I realized that Oyster River was such a tiny little hub, such a tiny little community. And it really, it would not take a tremendous amount of effort to, like, dramatically change what that community thinks. Um, and so, kind of one of the one of the big things I did my senior year with in this realm of work was organize uh, a discussion at, um, in, the, in the multipurpose room that Will Hopkins came to, who was the director mm-hmm. of New Hampshire Peace Action. And he talked about the amount of money that we spend on the military alone in Durham. Like the, you know, we spend 53% of our discretionary budget on military spending or something like that. It's definitely over 50%. Um, if that money was put into other things, like what, what would we be able to do with it? 
And it was, well, if we took that money and invested it in solar panels, we'd be able to put solar panels on every house in Durham seven times over. <laughs> and if we invested it in teachers, <clears throat> we'd be able to, like, triple the amount of teachers that are working. And I remember Mr. Allen, like, in his, his face being like, whoa. Like, that, I, just to see him, like, getting it and, like, putting it into, co- that, putting that, like, one fact, putting it into context for him was like, wow, like, maybe I did, like, make a little bit of a difference here today because, like, he's a powerful person and, like, I don't know. Yeah, I mean, he's assistant superintendent now. Yeah, you know, so, like, maybe, I don't know. It just, I guess what it, like, maybe no change will come of that moment, but the fact that, like, you can uh, share this information with people and change the way they think and help them overcome that apathy, um, that was, like, a, a big moment for me. And I realized, like, whoa, like, we can... We can do this. Social movements are powerful. Hmm. You know, since I left Wish River and, and being at UNH, um, there have been, you know, I, I feel social and environmental justice organizing and activism that is taking place right now is on par with what was happening in the 1960s and 70s. Hmm. Or at least we're getting close to something like that. It's just a matter, I think the big difference is that back then it was like on the TV all the time, or at least it seems like it was. And right now, no one's talking about it, you know? And it's such a hard, it's a harder thing to get like plugged into maybe. I don't know, I wasn't alive back then. And, you know, history has a way of changing reality. But I guess what I'm saying is there have been moments in my life where I no longer lusted for living in the 60s and being a part of those social movements because I felt that I was creating one of my own that was on par with what was going on back then. It's a very powerful feeling. Yeah, it was, I'll say it was like, I remember it was, it was during the primaries in New Hampshire and I was going around talking to presidential candidates on a weekly basis, getting on national news sometimes every you know a month or every month or so me or one of my friends getting on national news um and influencing the policy stances of the people who are going to be the next president Hmm. you know it just and it was like there was this um there's a term for it it's called like a, a whirlwind a whirlwind moment where it's just like this rush of organizing and everyone is working towards it and everyone sees it and everyone feels it and everyone's a part of it and it was like one of the most incredible times of my life I just felt like I was creating so much change and that we were really building an incredible movement yeah I I can echo that that was when I first got involved working with you and with um, all all the groups in the state and with electoral organizing and that was it made me feel incredibly empowered as a sophomore at Oyster Bay. Yeah. Um, you started kind of going in this direction, but um, in a in like a minute or so, like what sorts of activism and organizing work are you doing right now, and how has that evolved from your the first stuff you were doing? Yeah. Um, so I'll say like probably the biggest evolution in my organizing, um, at least over the past year or so, has been this shift towards. Um, building political power. So one of the projects I'm working on right now is called the New Hampshire Youth Movement, which is a movement of young people in New Hampshire working to elect leaders who represent us and our values. Mm -hmm. Um, And I helped launch that organization, that movement, 
after the 2016 elections and seeing that, you know, the climate movement and the progressives had an insane amount of people power. We could turn people out to rallies. Um, we could, you know, we had public support on our side, but we couldn't, we couldn't get people elected. And that's kind of where it matters. Like right now, like we have a system built to creating change that like arguably kind of works at a country. Like we should be using that to A, perfect the system and B, like create the, the dramatic change that we need to see. Right. So is, is there a place for high schoolers in that sort of work? Absolutely. Yeah. We just launched a hub in Durham, uh, which is like a little uh, a, a, a local working group of the New Hampshire youth movement. Um, and everyone is welcome to join it. Um, we host meetings at the Freedom Cafe and sometimes at the Mub at UNH. Um, and we're working on launching hubs in Keene, Plymouth, and Manchester. Mm-hmm. And Hanover. That's pretty exciting. It's Yeah, it's really exciting. Um, and, you know, we've been hearing a lot of feedback from people at the statewide level and the, really the national level saying... Um, you know, th- there isn't an organization in New Hampshire who is focusing on, you know, getting youth out to vote and building uh, the young people's voice in the electoral process that actually, like, stays in New Hampshire. You know, we have folks like Next Gen Climate who pop in and then leave. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, the fact is, young people have an insane amount of political power in this state. You know, the amount of people who voted at UNH alone elected Maggie Hassan. And if Maggie Hassan hadn't have, uh, voted, hadn't have, hadn't have been elected, uh, we wouldn't have the Affordable Care Act anymore. You know, that was one vote. You mm-hmm. know, that was like the young people of New Hampshire saved the Affordable Care Act. And there's obviously lots of factors, but I think the bottom line is young people in New Hampshire have an incredible amount of political power, but our politicians don't represent us. And that should piss you off because <laughs> the decisions they make are affecting us and will affect us for the rest of our lives. And I think, side note here, I think one of the biggest things that folks realize, the folks around me realize when they got to college is the decisions that are being made by my politicians are actually starting to affect me now. Because you don't really feel like those decisions matter to you in high school, at least I didn't really. Mm-hmm. Then you get into college, it's like, oh, like, what is Congress going to set as the interest rate on student loans? Am I going to, you know, have an extra 10000 Is it going to take me five years to pay back my loans or is it going to take me 10 years to pay back my loans? Is it going to be 20000 or is it going to be 40000 um, And I think that's, like, something that your listeners should think about is, like, how do the government's decisions actually start affecting you? When do they start affecting you? And how do you want to influence those decisions? Yeah. If you do want to influence them, come join the New Hampshire movement. <laughs> the other aspect of my work is uh, working for 350 New Hampshire, which is an organization working to build a grassroots climate movement in the state. We focus on stopping climate change uh, by promoting renewable energy and stopping fossil fuel infrastructure from being built. So right now that looks like uh, stopping the Granite Bridge Pipeline, which is a proposed fracked gas pipeline that would run from Manchester to Stratum, right through the backyard of Durham, would cross over the Lamprey River. Um, And we can't be building new fossil fuel infrastructure because it will lock us into dependency on fossil fuels for decades to come. The other aspect of that work, promoting renewable energies right now, is focused on bringing offshore wind to New Hampshire. We actually have 16 towns voting on warrant articles uh, just a couple weeks from now, on March 14th. Um, they basically asked the governor to request a task force to bring offshore wind to New Hampshire. 
It's a little um, wonky, but it's really the first step in bringing offshore wind to New Hampshire. And every other eastern coastal state with potential for offshore wind already has this task force. So it's catching us up to zero. Great. So you started talking about this a little bit, but uh, what advice do you have for a student who's interested in making a change, and how can they start getting involved in that change? Get trained. There is an insane amount of opportunities to go to national conferences and national trainings that are a hell of a lot of fun um, and can kind of teach you the basics of what you need to do to get started. There's also a ton of those opportunities right here in New Hampshire. Uh, New Hampshire Youth Movement and 350 New Hampshire put on trainings regularly uh, about how you can make change in your community. It's, it's hard to start, but once you get in, it sweeps you away. Um, if anyone listening to this is interested in being involved in New Hampshire Youth Movement or 350 New Hampshire, I'd be happy to grab a cup of coffee with you and talk about um, how you can fold into this work and how you can actually make a difference in, in Durham and, and have it ripple throughout you know our community and, and the country and the world. Awesome. And, we, and we'll totally link um, both 350 New Hampshire and the New Hampshire Youth Movement in our uh, podcast description for our listeners. Fantastic. Any last thoughts on this? Hmm. I would say do everything you can to overcome the apathy that is built into all of us. Try to educate yourself about the things that you care about. And if you see something that doesn't seem just or doesn't seem fair, do something about it. Thank you so much for sitting down with me. Um, Again, to my listeners, uh, we'll link both of those organizations in the description. Um, Thank you for listening in this week, and there will be another episode uh, two weeks from now. Thank you very much. (laughs) 